Hello, everyone, and welcome to State of the Realm, your weekly Final Fantasy XIV podcast. I am your host for this week, Sly, aka Gray Fox. There will be no um, Mr. Happy impersonation this time. And <laughs> with me, uh, I have two special hosts to talk about, Alexander Lore. Um, I have Ethis Asher, our lore correspondent. And then, of course, I have Pukajutsu. Hello. What is going on? Luke. How you doing? You had um, you had a sly nickname, didn't you? Uh, yeah. Um, so I don't think he introduced himself properly. No, I, I'm not doing the AKAs. I'm not nah, doing the AKAs. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> like you, no, I'm I'm sly AK what? No. Sly AKA great. No. Sly mm. AK Brave Flocks Longstop. <sighs> no. Sly AK. <laughs> Slyvana, the primal of beer and couches? Uh, I don't know. Slyvana. <laughs> Slyvana. 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 And as I said... I was going to say, fly the socks. Fly the socks? <laughs> fly the socks. I, I'm, I'm, am I turning in... Are you giving me a gobby name now? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah. I, think, I, think it, I think it fits the theme. Um, but I think you got my name wrong. It's actually... Who, 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 you Did you really? <laughs> really? Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. Oh, that's the intro. <laughs> so, this week we are going to talk a little about Alexander Lore and about um, casual rating. Because we had a few questions about that the other week when we did Alexander, so we wanted to go into more detail about that. Um, but for now, let's just dive right in so we got into alexander and pretty much most of us myself included um probably skipped out on the cutscenes. i know bad bad terrible terrible yes why come on no, no. i had to go back and watch the cutscenes. sorry oh. we were just you know we wanted to get through it as quickly as possible even though we were tired because we stayed up so in, within the story, within the 3.0 story, um, while you're just roaming about in the hinterland, you see this etherical sphere sort of kind of, and everybody and their mom knew what it was. But we really didn't get the full scope of it until after you completed 3.0 and you saw the cutscene in the end where Alexander sort of, ri sort of rises out of the ground. Um, and then we have this thing with Yastola where she calculated that once it's fully operational, it will, Alexander will drain the hinterlands of Aether and leave it a lifeless husk within a few moons. So that's not that far off. A few moons shouldn't be that far off. And if it's allowed to walk free, the same will be said of Heidelin. Um, What do we think of these stakes? Because just going in like going in with all that information and with what we've seen from Bahama, it doesn't it doesn't feel as urgent. I feel like it doesn't feel as urgent as Bahama. Like when I first started playing Final Fantasy and Realm Reborn, Final Fantasy fourteen and Realm Reborn, um, you get that sense of oh shit from the opening cutscene. Bahama, he's front and center right there, fucking everything up. Um, it was Bahama who the Garlands were preparing for. That's why they had Ultima. Um, 
for for now it just seems like no one really gives a shit but Sid and Mide and the the goblins. I mean, what do we think about that? Ethis? Yeah, I think you you sort of nailed it there. We 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 didn't see the context. We didn't see what this thing is actually capable of. And we can know it like intellectually. We can have someone tell us, oh, it's going to drain the world. We don't know what that looks like. And um, I don't know. It's something about that. And it's something about the fact that the goblins are just kind of silly, you know? I was going to say that I think that like even even the initial response to it is kind of silly. Sid is just like, that's a primal, not a toy. Like, sure, he's he's kind of there front and center now helping with it. But it's just like it's it seems like they're just kind of, for lack of a better term, half acidly approaching it. Like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a threat, maybe uh, sort of. But we can go poke at it. Right. Um it's not quite the same as uh, holy crap, everything was just completely just decimated by Bahamut in his rage. It's, uh, yeah, we should probably look into that or we might have to move somewhere. <laughs> but I don't it, know. it has the same potential, though. Like, it, it, it does. It has but... that same potential to pretty much fuck everything up. Why aren't we, why, why is this just something on the side? I mean, another thing that I'll get into a little bit later is, you know, I kind of feel at home, like in terms of coil and anything, any major like raid, raid wide, you know, like side quest, quote unquote, because that's essentially what coil was. It was just, it was in game raid. It was in game. Like, even though it was a little bit part of the story, it was in game and I kind of like it doesn't feel right without Alize. I like with Alize you knew like it was urgent. Like when the Braves are in there the um the Crystal Braves aka the Scions quote unquote it felt urgent. And now like it's just she's not there. And again we'll get into that later. I'll get into that later, but yeah it just doesn't feel as urgent. Do you think do you do you think that having Alize with us in Alexander would raise the stakes a bit. Yes, I actually do. Interesting. I, I absolutely do because I don't know. Maybe there was more like maybe that was kind of a family thing with Bahamut since, you know, Louis mm. Wah dealt with it mm. um, before Alpha and Alize and just here we just have Sid. Yeah, Not I think I think it's the connection to, to Louis Wah there that makes it feel a little bit more like it's being taken a little bit more seriously because it, it's already woven in to another part of the story um whereas alexander and Mide or Mide or i'm pretty sure it's just Mide, whatever her name is it's just this new person that we have nothing to go on with but that, that of course is its own mystery um we have sid yeah we got sid but I, I would really I would really like to see some kind of impact uh, from Alexander on the outside world other than the hand just sitting there. Right. I think we need that. I think we need that to escalate. And we know that it's going to slowly rise out of the water, but are we going to see any other changes in the zone? Honestly, I think in future patches, and this is what I'm hoping, wishful thinking, is that they kind of involve alexander within 
the main story because in 2.0 Bahamut was a looming threat he was mm. he was a part of the, he wasn't really a part of the main story but he was there he was present people talked about him in 3.0 we really didn't have anything with Alexander in the main story it was just the whole dealing with Thoradin, the whole dealing with the Dravanian Horde, Nidhogg. Alexander mm. wasn't even an issue until now. And I can see that, uh, I understand that he was kind of still beneath the ground, beneath the sea, quote unquote. But now that he's out, I would love to see a little bit more involvement um, with him in like, story. We don't have the Knights 12 anymore. We don't have uh, the Knights of the Round. We don't have Thoradin. Um, we still have to deal with Nidhogg, but there's still this giant mech that we have to deal with. Like, are we just going to ignore yeah. this? Yeah, some reference to him would be nice. Or at least if there was something, I mean, even in the library or something, if we'd seen some mention to him, just some kind of background, some kind of lead-in, I feel like it would have felt a bit more um, substantial. Mm -hmm. A bit more natural. Mm. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I see what you mean. So... We get to Sid, and Sid tells us that the Illuminati are responsible, aka the goblins. So we go to get Brayflox, because Brayflox dealt with the Illuminati in the past, right? And then, of course, because we got Sid, we got Biggs and Wedge. So we had uh, Wedge got a uh, Illuminati Link Pearl transmission. Um, he believes that decoding it will provide a way into the hatch, which is down at the bottom of the lake. It's right at the bottom of the lake. We just couldn't go in it until it was unlocked by uh, Square Enix. Um, and after hearing that Round Rocks might have the type of crystal that the Illuminati use to encode their messages, we borrow the, this glowstone. Um, how big of a key is this glowstone in comparison to everything, like, Will we see, like, knowing what we've seen so far, will we see more of the Glowstone? Pook, what do you think? I think, I think that we're going to, like, I think the Illuminati are going to get their hands on it in the next, uh, the next set of floors. Like, I think that it's definitely, uh, you know, it's all, it's a bigger part of everything, and, uh, I, I think that um, well, if we, we I don't want to jump too far ahead of you know where where we're at right now, mm -hmm. but um, the the glowstone is 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 definitely the plot device of the moment. Like, <laughs> um, it's it's part of it's part of uh, it's this all happened what like. We find out it happened what the three three years ago. They someone or something tried to summon Alexander yeah. before, and and failed. Um, and Round Rocks actually got the glowstone then. Yeah, this is what was left behind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she thought it was just this pretty thing um, that she's been keeping all this time, but now suddenly everyone's after everyone's a piece of it. The Illum Illuminati wanted. Uh, it's the thing that sort of brings uh, Maid to us. Um, it all comes back to this Illuminati, uh, the, the Enigma Codex, rather. Right, the Enigma Codex. <laughs> so, we, um, Wedge, 
decodes finally decodes the message um but he's still unable to make sense of it that's when we see mide the quote unquote treasure hunter who offers to solve the puzzle for us if she's allowed to join our expedition and she's looking for a particular piece within alexander what's her angle because we have we had we now have we had the illuminati and we now have bide who's sort of a wild card what's her angle and what the fuck is up with the scar because every now and then she touches that scar and it's kind of i don't know if it's like a memento every now and then every every time she opens her mouth she touches the scar it's like did you notice i have a scar <laughs> this this might be important to the story do you notice um, this oh my god have you read harry potter have you have you read Harry Potter? I have a scar. <laughs> I have a scar, guys. I have a scar. But yeah, what's her angle? What do we think her angle is? Well, what I think is really interesting, uh, once we get in there, uh, as soon as we defeat the oppressor, we see quick thinks, all thoughts, and mm -hmm. she instantly recognizes him. And he instantly knows what she is after and she, and and he basically says what it is you're you're after it's not here it's not anywhere in Gordius. and then one of uh, his henchmen mentions the the enigma codex and the alexander initiative to which quick thinks uh, sort of implies that he's going to be punished um before my shoots at them and, and blows up just a bunch of goblins and um and we escape. So it's it's interesting that she has some kind of history with with quick things, and that they they seem to be on a sort of first name basis. Hmm. Pook. I don't trust her. I just don't know why. I just don't trust her. Like I'm, um, like the the idea of the the treasure hunter that's only there for only their gain, and they'll help us as long as they can get to it is okay i mean it kind of almost led to a tentative agreement to work with nero back in the the crystal tower story in a way it was just like well don't get in our way and we'll go ahead and let you go with us sort of um but i i think too much in these stories i i really feel like she's after she's after what the illuminati has for her own reasons um, and thereafter, the glowstone for their own reasons. But I think the problem is, is that she is just going to tag along long enough to get whatever she needs from the Enigma Codex, and then it's going to just either bail with it or be revealed to be a, a threat bigger than the silly Illuminati. <laughs> yeah. Do you think? Do you think Mod might be that big a threat? I, I either I actually think that she could be a part of it. I honestly think that we are way too trusting of somebody we know nothing about, who's just mm. like, oh yeah, I know all these things and I'm connected to all these things. Do you like it, it? The immediate recognition you've already been here, you've already messed around with this, and now you're just tagging along with us. Um. Possibly she came up against the Illuminati and lost before or and she is a good person, but I don't know. It just kind of mm -hmm. kind of rubs me the wrong way of like, uh, is this is this really is this really supposed to be our, our Alexander Alizé 
or <laughs> is it something else? And see, that's the main difference with me. I, I felt like Alizé was the person we could trust. Like, Mide, I don't know. She She's just a wild card to me. I don't trust her. I'm, a, I'm in total agreement with you, Pook. I just don't trust her at all. I think once she actually gets what she came for, and eventually she will get it. I think she will get it. Uh, she's going to kind of turn heel, and she will be end up being a bigger threat than what the Illuminati seem to be right now. Because I don't think I don't even think the Illuminati are that much of a threat right now. Yeah. So, so after regrouping, we push through all the waves of enemies in the cuff of the Father, and Sid catches up. Um, and question Mig. Mid questions Mid about the Enigma Codex. Uh, she reveals it to be uh, a tome containing designs for a self-sustaining mobile fortress. Basically, what Alexander is like. That's what it is. It's kind of a. I want to call it a lifeless automaton because that's what it is. It doesn't have a personality. It doesn't. You know, it's not like the other primals. It's just a self-sustaining fortress. Doesn't. I don't think it really has a mind of its own yet. Yet, yeah. Yet. <laughs> I, I'm sitting here thinking that this is what it would be if it wasn't the primal of what it was supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> so they've already, the Illuminati already studied um, and venerated to the point where they could summon a primal in its image. Seth's confused. Basically, I am too. Everyone's confused. I'm confused. Um... <laughs> Given that the Illuminati found a way in before everybody else could, um, he found the Illuminati found a way in through the shield. We had to wait until kind of the foot was at the edge of the lake. We had to wait. So he kind of concludes that there has to be a spy in Idleshire. That um, Brayflocks yeah. maybe. That if they well. Yeah. Well, basically, we're getting we're getting these encoded messages going out, right? Mm -hmm. Which is telling us the combination for the door, which the Illuminati don't actually need to use. So Sid's sort of thinking about this and why why would they be putting out uh, in, encoded instructions to get into the door? And he concludes, well, there must be some kind of spy in Idleshire. So we basically um, start monitoring this door, and we see Brayflocks going in and we see Brayflox going in dressed up in that Illuminati garb and it's something that was really kind of um, just shrugged off just sort of swept over pretty quickly mm. is that Brayflox is this is this spy and Brayflox is this one that's been fighting the Illuminati that we've been you know working with her to keep them from getting her cheese and all that and suddenly she's working for them or with them what do, what do we think of that what's going on there i honestly think it, it's a double agent deal like yeah i wanted brave flocks to be good like <laughs> i was rooting for brave flocks uh, i think she's still good i think she's she still goes good in there and they just shoot her dead yeah yeah um, apparently this is, after this is what you do to somebody that satisfies you or whatever they say yeah yeah <laughs> what's what's apparently happened is that um She's told Quick Thinks the location of this missing piece, which we found out later to be the glowstone, and then he's shot her dead 
Could it be that he that she's sort of trying to delay things or or lead them away or um I don't know because what we we don't know much about Bray Flox's history other than that well, she was in the Company of Heroes. Um, and then when she got out, she had all of these these sort of problems with the Illuminati. Could she have a history with them? Because um, she's got this cheese recipe, right? And we find out the, from from Mide that the Enigma Codex contains, among other things, cheese recipe. recipes for cheese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God damn so here's geez. my idea: is that is the maybe she's actually had some history with Bray Flocks and. Um, Bray Fox has had some history with the Illuminati, I should say, and that she's gotten her hands on this cheese recipe and she's run with it. <laughs> and um, that's why they've been sort of chasing her down and there's sort of some kind of, you know, some kind of relationship there already. Can I just say for a minute how fucking silly it is that... But, but that, that, that this, this is, that this is about coming back to cheese. cheese. It's oh, coming it's back to cheese. cheese. Have we not looked at the upgrade item for the weapons? Uh, I mean, it's pretty much you're just fun doing them. Like that's the, the you're just dipping them in cheese. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what it is. Um, uh. No, but I I could see her doing that under duress. I almost mm. I almost I almost imagine that it wasn't Brayflox herself, but somebody disguised as Brayflox to be a spy among really? Idleshire. So you just... think Brayflox oh, is still alive? I mean, Brayflox could still be alive in, in Alexander somewhere, if we or we just saw someone that looks like her going in, or I don't know. I I, I can't tell. I can't tell them apart. The only yeah, all, all goblins look the same. Yeah, Ooh. all goblins look the same. The only reason I <laughs> the only reason I know who Quick thinks is, is because he's got a cat on his head. Like <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, I would feel really bad if that was Brayflox and she was under duress, and then they just shot her dead, and that's it. Brayflox, dude, she's dead. She's gone. She's, she's gone. Don't you worry um, about it. She's dead. <laughs> It's uh, like um, I, I know we we brought the cheese thing up and we we're talking about the, the the draining aether and somebody mentioned the goblins not knowing what they're doing. No, they have no idea what they're messing with. But when you bring it up to the Illuminati, they don't care. They don't care that Alexander is going to drain the world. They're like, well, I mean, the, the ones inside here are going to be the, like the gifted ones. And we don't really need to worry about the people out there that are less fortunate because they're not the ones with the knowledge. Um, and so I wonder, I wonder where Brayflox would stand in something like that. If she had just decided to, you know, hop over to the winning team. I wouldn't put that posture, I gotta say. So going back to what you said, um, Ethis, about once Brayflox gets shot, she tells, um, quick things about the missing piece. Mm-hmm that would make the world perfect please don't tell me it's a cheese recipe but what do we think this missing piece is is it um is it part of the enigma codex is it something larger is it what is it something that mid was looking for is it that thing that mid was looking for what do we think it is i'm good just everything went out for a second and then like there was a loud buzz in my headphones
Yeah, we couldn't. We couldn't even. I couldn't even hear at this. Like I saw at this going on and on and on yeah. about something, and absolutely no audio. And I'm like, what the? <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Um, had some technical difficulties. It's kind of going ham in Raleigh right now, and it's storming, and it kind of knocked out everything for a second. So the lights flickered, my headphones went off, my PS4 went off, the computer stayed on. Okay. Yeah. Oh. We're all now strapped to. Uh to chairs with like the bottom cut out of them and we've had goblins in here with a rope just swinging at us and oh man it was awful it was it was horrible and then i told them about my it won't favorite, keep us down i told them about my favorite cartoon character candle J <laughs> oh man worst episode ever sorry guys so sorry so so sorry oh man Just give it one sec, guys. I just got to reset everything. I'll be right back. Sorry. Can you just hold on one minute? Sorry. Biggest apologies. <laughs> Ramu is going ham, and he kind of knocked everything out of whack. Really, Pook? It's just, a, just, a little, just a little despair. It's a, nothing to worry about. Oh, my God. Oh, well. Thanks for hanging in, guys. <laughs> Thank you for hanging in there. Thank you so much. So before Ramu sidetracked us, dude, dude, Ramu's got some kind of agreement with the Illuminati. Like he just showed up and just like totally ransacked Sly's place. <laughs> we were talking about that final piece. I think the camera is sitting a little too high on me. Yeah, I got oh, it. Oh, I see what is going on. Okay. Yeah. Like <laughs> so we were talking about the final piece and. Um, uh, Mid's involvement and um, when she talked about her past with well, with a group that sought to rebuild the world through logic and science, sort of like the scions and the circle of knowing. Um, and then Sid tells us to be prepared for the Illuminati's next move. So, one bit of a cliffhanger. What is this group? Who is this group? Yeah, that's one of the big answered que uh, unanswered questions, I, I should say. Um, so we already talked about who, who is Mind, who could Mind be? She keeps talking about this, this him. Every, every time she touches her scar, she's, she's talking about this yeah. unnamed him. And uh, where's, where's your happy place, Mind? Oh, it's wherever he is. And um, I think, I think the, the fair assumption is that this person she's referring to is the leader or, or a member of this group that she used to be associated with. Um, do we have any ideas about that? I mean, are they, are they part of the Illuminati? Are they, uh, somehow involved with the Charlayans? Uh, do we, do we have any theories about what that group might've been? Was he the, I don't know about the group, but was this guy like the, the keeper of the codex and then he was hurt? Mm. taken from him like how long have the has the illuminati had the part of the codex they have um were they the ones like i i could go so far into were they the ones responsible for the summoning three years ago you know do you do you think that they were um i i i'm not entirely sure because 
I'm not sure. Like, yeah, I just I'm not, I'm not actually sure. I, I I love to commit to something, but they just it's this they left this open, and I'm like I want to see it going so many different ways. Um, but this this group of people put together this this book uh, with their with the greatest achievements, and they're like let's just let's just well let's just we're calling it a book because they call it a codex, but I mean it could be a rock. It could be it could be a stone tablet with ten. Never mind. Um, it could be. <laughs> um, Mides group. It, it it does it it feels very obviously feels very Charlayan, considering where it's at and what the people there were. Yeah. Like, so yeah, I think you're getting there. So do you since we're talking Charlayan, do you think? Um, we do you think we um you think we kind of get the sense that maybe stola knows somebody well you stola hasn't met mind no. which i think is interesting is you stola has said all right i'm gonna go off i'm gonna speak to matoya matoya conveniently yeah, no one no other charlene meets mind so the the, the possibility is still open that mind is actually a charlene um that that's quite possible um she might have even stolen the codex from, this from the charlayans something like this that this isn't the first time the charlayans had some really interesting powerful tool mm. locked away in a book i mean that was in the main scenario for the ethereal uh ram that we used to get into as law we had to go get a book yeah and the and the tupsamadi um, is is another yeah. thing that's just absolutely ridiculous um Pook, I, I asked you a kind of unfair question when I asked whether you thought the, the goblins were the people who tried to summon it previously. Um, they weren't. We know that Round Rocks witnessed it. We witnessed three right. years ago, the land split open, uh, this sort of thing started to rise out and then it stopped and, and we can see the ruins there in, in the Four Lands before uh, the, the Illuminati summoned him. And this big ethereal shield appears. Now she says that Uplanders left oh, the glowstone behind. Right, Uplanders. Uplanders are what the the goblins and some of the other beast races uh, refer to the the the, the, the sort of spoken races. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Aeorzean sort of civilized races. Um, so it can't have been goblins. It has to have been. One of, I I don't know. I think it might have been maybe some Charlans who were hanging around. So I think that's that's one interesting question that we don't really have a strong answer to is who who is this group of Mides, um, and whether or not they were the people who tried to summon it three years ago. Who is it that tried to summon it three years ago? That's one of the things so, that I'm really so they, they, they to either hearing. stuck around or they came back after everybody bailed on it what like 15 years ago or however long people left Charlands. yeah it was a few decades ago yeah. yeah yeah like and they're they're wanting to basically maybe maybe their faction that wants to reclaim the area or their great city or they'll just take alexander as a substitute mm -hmm. because i mean you're you're a you're a you're a society that puts knowledge above all else and you have Alexander as an option. <laughs> maybe you're gonna try to pick him up off out of the ground, and maybe maybe Might is a part of this. 
Um, mm. Maybe, like, maybe the Enigma Codex is plans for something like that that maybe never came to fruition, but now because the failed summoning, but the goblins somehow pulled it off. Mm. Missing a piece. You got a lot of... Already... Go ahead. No, go slack. No, 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 go ahead. Um, we've we've already had a look at uh, the question of Brayflox and who might have been motivating her and stuff like that. Now, the chat was mentioning a couple of times, and this this is something that I've been seeing on the um, on the subreddit quite a few times, and I, I don't know how I feel about it. Um, the cat that's with quick things. I was about everyone's to bring saying, that up. <laughs> everyone's saying, "Oh, that's Kashi." It's um, not. It's I call bullshit. It's not. The, the cat is. I, like... I agree. I I think I think that it's not. I think it is not because we actually have a clockwork minion of Kaichi who actually looks like we'd sort of expect it to look. Yeah. That said, I mean it's it's possible. I feel like it's it's a parody of that. Uh, you know that that sort of very Bond villain kind of thing. It's part of the whole kind of goblin Illuminati satire. Um, right. But and I think I think I mean, it's, it's another... possible. I think it's another quirk that makes that goblin stand out. Quick things stand out, mm. so that he doesn't look like mm. the other ones. Mm. Because they he doesn't. So he's such a fucking racist, dude. <laughs> I'm the racist. Oh, let's not yeah, talk he, about. Yeah, well, we need the, to put name tags on them. <laughs> They're not people. Are we going to go into the whole Lollafell discussion? Because um, I can't actually, take it. No, I, I do. No, I actually, no, I have to, no. I have to no. derail for a moment. I have, I have with me an official statement from the Lollafells, actually, oh, um, because they have, they have some feelings in this matter. It says, um, it says, oh, okay, segue. <clears throat> it says, uh, to whom? Oh, well, actually, okay. Sorry, the writing's a little small here. Um, all right. Anyways, um, to whom it may concern. We, the Lollafells of Eorzea, formally demand that the Elzen and Huron Dragoons that refer to themselves as Ethis and Sly, if those are their real names, cease and desist all hostilities towards our great race. Though we are small in stature, we make up for this shortcoming with ingenuity, tenacity, and courage, and we are due more respect. We would also like to remind you that even, though, even, that even we stand taller when you're looking up from the floor. Sincerely, the Lollafells. I never said I had anything <laughs> against Lollafells. I'm the leader of the ART and NAACP. Why are you giving that message to me? Why? Oh my god. Sly, you've sorry to drag you into this. Thank you. Dragoons are gonna stick together. Yes, thank you. Come at us. Um wow, I cannot believe. That segue, that was outstanding, Pook. Well, well played. Well done. Well played. So, uh, besides um, Kashi, do we have any other unanswered questions left in Alexander? Well, we've got the Enigma Codex. Um, what What is it? Who wrote it? So, we know uh, Mide tells us anyway, if we, we, we take her word for it, which you guys don't seem to want to do for anything. But um, we take her word for it. This was written 100 years ago. We don't know by whom. Um, and I feel like that, that's sort of auspicious. That's the Libra. We're getting so few details about what's going on here in the background and the context that when we get something like 100 years, um, I mean, what do you guys say? That, that, that sounds auspicious, right? Agreed. Sounds like that's leading somewhere. So I had a look at what was, what was happening in Aeosia 100 years ago. And um, 
sort of in, in kind of a, a realm-wide scope, we've got the, the war between uh, Gridania and, and Alamigo um, over the, the contested territories, the sort of a shroud in that. Um, that's all going on. Uh, we've got the goblins uh, appearing in the Eorzean cities for the first time in another hundred years. So the, the goblins, they're really interesting and they're really sort of enigmatic to us at the moment compared to a lot of the other beast races. They disappear um, for a hundred years and then they come back and they sort of trade with us and they, they come into our cities and stuff for a few years and then they disappear again for another hundred years. We don't know where, we don't know whether they're still in Eorzea or not. So we've got goblins around at the moment but the last time they were around um, in between this, this century-long uh, hiatus was around the time that the Codex was being written. And this makes me think that, um, that they, they were sort of hearing of the Codex and the Codex might have been like some big thing in like Charlene or, or wherever it was that it was being written 100 years ago. And they're sort of hearing about it and they're hearing about all these wondrous things. And that's when they start getting these sort of ideas, you know what I mean? Because the goblins are, are naturally um, inclined to, to venerate technology and to sort of uh, seek out, you know, shiny things and mechanical things. And uh, we know they're always recommissioning old Galean technology and stuff like that. So that would have been the first time that they'd heard of it. Um, as for who wrote it... Everything that we're hearing about Alexander being intended as this beacon of, uh, of knowledge and wisdom, uh, basically being this walking ivory tower, um, I, really, I really think it's Charlene. And I think it's, it's something like with the ethereal ram, we've, we've got this, this design and this idea that someone's been really enthused by but has just been you know, way too intense. And the Charlene Council has looked at this, this Alexander and gone, no way, if that falls into the wrong hands, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's really, really bad news. Um, and then we get uh, very splinter groups who want to pursue it, like the Illuminati and like whatever group that, that Mide is related to. And my theory is basically that Mide is, whether it's a subsidiary of the Charlanes or whether it's something else that sort of just follows that Charlene philosophy, she got involved with these people that wanted to kind of do the Charlene circle of knowing Scion thing through, you know, technology and progress and stuff like that. Um, and whoever he was, was pursuing this Alexander initiative, but sort of became consumed by it in the way that we see the Illuminati have become consumed by it. And that's why I think that Mind is actually on our side because I think she walked away from that. Um, and I think she's concerned with making sure that that doesn't come to fruition, if that makes any sense. I don't, I don't know. Again, that's, that's pure speculation. But from the few pieces that we have, I think that that's the most likely direction that we're going to be moving in at the moment. So do you not think there's a chance that Mide could go back from that? Like you say... There's, def there's definitely a chance. Absolutely. Um, I just think that that, to me, is sort of the most compelling direction that the story could be taking at the moment. I've, Hook. I've seen the damage this can do and to people, basically. That kind of arc where it's like, okay, he really... Mm. 
yeah, I exactly. Someone, I lost someone who was really close to me to the madness of this project that I really need to put a stop to now. Yeah, and that's that's a compelling story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It really is. And um, I think we're talking about we're talking about it escalating. We're talking about it getting out of the Illuminati's hands. My suspicion is that whoever he is is going to show up and is going to basically take it out of the goblin's hands. Is going to start running the show. Is going to know something that they don't. Um, is going to get his hands on this final piece. And it's going to be someone else that we're having to deal with once we've dealt with the Illuminati. lot of stuff to kind of speculate yeah lot, lots of room for speculation but one thing That's i want Alexander. to I, one thing i want to play around with a little bit was going back to the enigma codex right so we know from the enigma codex from the enigma codex excuse me um it contained um much more than plans for alexander aka cheese mm-hmm. <laughs> so as a, from a personal standpoint for each of us, what do we think the Enigma Codex could tell us personally? <laughs> Ethis, I'll start with you. Uh, we were talking about this the other day. So, again, the Enigma Codex is like, um, it's kind of like an, an encyclopedia of life hacks, right? Mm-hmm. And that anything you could possibly want to know, any sort of master recipes or whatever, it's in there. And I couldn't get my mind off the live letter the other night. And I was thinking, if any Aeorsian adventurer got this thing in their hands, they'd be instantly going to the index and they'd be going to, all right, uh, mm, uh, machinist rotations. How do I machinist? How do I bar? Uh, tell, me, tell me how to drink the codex. And then the codex, give me a macro so I never have to do anything for myself. Pook. Yeah, I. I mean, that's a that's that's probably like the first thing they'd go for. What? Um, but as for what I'd go for, what what? Um, I honestly think that I would love if the book could just tell me how to convince Square Enix to put in true cross realm QA. <laughs> give me give me cross server cues. Give me cross server friends list. Like it, the secret to convincing them to give us that. Um, Basically, telling you how to create some kind of uh, interdimensional wormhole to to other Aeorsian instances to queue with you. Maybe to tell me where to put um, PvP keybinds <laughs> on a bar. That's a good like, one. Three bars are already full. Oh, <laughs> uh, Sly, what do you got? How to make a good token system. I think it would tell. I think it would tell bards how to use wanderers. Um, yeah, Warden's Pain. Uh. <laughs> it would tell Bards how to use war- Warden's Pain. How to turn off Ballad. How to turn off Ballad. How do? How do you turn off Ballad? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Enigma Codex, where do I store my glamour gear? <laughs> <laughs> so we've kind of digested the lore of uh, Alexander. Any final thoughts? I think we've squeezed pretty much as much as we can out of Alex at the moment. Pook. Uh, I I look forward I look forward to the Illuminati basically getting wiped out in the next wing and the true evil stepping up. That's that's <laughs> yep. that's my final thought. <laughs> 
And I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more of Maude and what she has to bring to a table. And I just, I'm really just waiting to see her turn heel and do the evil laugh when she, whenever she gets what she pretty much sought, what she sought after. So I'm waiting for that. Do you evil. think she's going to get the, the walking into fire shot? She, you think she's going to get the Sephiroth shot? Because everyone else has had it. She won't get the Sephiroth Nails shot. Nails had it. Gaius has had it. She won't get that much. I was really hoping that Quick Thinks would get it, because that would be fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Just oh, turning his head. Like, like we we down a floor, we explode, like, some of the goblins explode, there's a fire left behind, and he just kind of turns. Yeah. yeah, 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 that would be awesome. That'd be pretty cool. So, the next part that we wanted to discuss uh, was something that, in episode 20, a lot of people had questions about. Um, rating casually. Now, this is, this is going to be a really hot topic since Alexander Savage is out today. Um, you have a lot of people who have statics, have FCs that are going in right now. But some people are casual raiders. They don't have the static. They might not have the time to set up the static, the time to kind of devote to, you know, raiding so-and-so hours or every so-and-so nights a week. So, um, the first issue, um, was going back to that, like, Why? Um, are these serious kind of barriers to raiding casually and should they be um, are the difficulties involved in raiding successfully overstated by the community are there places like reddit the subreddits and like guildworks and other community hubs that are scaring people away from doing you know high level raids like Alexander mm. Yeah, so it's it's this idea that like um, that casual players. So if I'm a casual player, I've only got let's say two or three nights a week to play for for a couple of hours at a time. All of all of these community places, um, I'm not sure if it if it varies kind of server to server, but definitely on places like the subreddit and stuff, it's really easy to walk away with this idea that that is just not doable. It's not realistic for someone who considers themselves a casual to be getting into this rating content. And a lot of people didn't didn't even attempt call. They didn't get into it, and and I think that was a real shame. Um, so we've we've all had experiences of of kind of going through this and trying to approach raid content uh, more casually, or at least without a static at one point or another. And um, I think it's a really interesting, important conversation to have. Um, Sly, you. You pugged all the way, right, from turn one to turn 12. Yes. Is that right? That's correct. Was, was, it, as, um, was it as difficult as you, as you would have expected before you started it? There were hurdles. I'll admit, there were hurdles just to, you know, going in by yourself or just finding random groups. Um, that's the challenge in itself because every group you have to kind of you know, remesh with, you kind of have to get a sense of what they do, how they feel. Um, mm. uh, then you, of course you have those hurdles like, you know, turn five, turn nine, turn 12. Um, mm. And I was, I got really lucky with turn 12 because I just went in training um, and eventually got it. The only, like it took a matter of maybe an hour or so um, 
you know, just learning to fight with new people. Um, and then we went out to repair and then went back in and cleared it. It's, it's difficult. It's very difficult, especially when you reach those top tier hurdles, you know, like T5, T9, T12, and then eventually mm. T13. Um, people have made a life of pugging. Some people like mm. live off of it. That's the only thing they do, and they've been successful. Most people aren't going to have that type of success. Uh, I would stress, if anything, to if you can't, you can't. But you know, trying to find like going through like pugging does actually help you find a good group of people. Like you. Like this is an MMO. You're gonna make friends regardless of what you do. In anything you do, you're going to meet new people and make new friends. Through pugging, I found I eventually found my static. So mm-hmm. there is there is success in pugging and and I guess the end goal would be to find a group that you you want to do this with. And that was that was my um that was my um success story basically i i have a question mm. and this this is going to sound weird um but it, it's kind of going along with where my thoughts are on this uh when you were pugging these things did you ever have to join a group and not be completely honest about your experience with the fight no i know because i, no. I, be, I find a lot of party finder groups that are very much you know nope no, no tombstone bonus. Whatever the tombstone of the mm-hmm. the week happens to be, no first timers. No, this is a clear party. In and out, one shot. Like um, three strikes, and I I burn your mother to death or something like that. They they're really. Um, did you run into a lot of that or? Um, you, especially jumping from party finder to party finder. Yeah, you will. You'll run into a lot of uh, no bonus. Uh, three strikes, you're out. Uh, <laughs> Don't suck. Don't, don't suck. <laughs> don't Just suck don't is a lot. You know, you, you'll so see that on those. Yeah. With most of those, if you're if you're honest with them, if you if you say, yeah, look, I've got the whatever it is, the myth bonus, the the soldiery bonus, whatever it is, um, but I know the fight. I've been studying it. I, mm-hmm. I know all of the the phases. I feel like I can do it. Most groups will give you a go, and if you fuck it up a couple of times, they'll say, all right, Sorry. you know, we gave you a try. The thing is, they're, they're, these farm groups, like a lot of people look at it and they say, all right, there's, there's elitist jerks. They don't want to help anyone. They just want, they want people to have done some work for themselves. You find that most of them, if, if they feel like you are capable of clearing it and you have kind of done your homework and you're not going to be just being carried, they're quite receptive to that. It's just something you've got to be honest about. You've got to be honest about your experience. And I see so many people that try to bluff their way through uh, through pugs, it's not a way. It's not a good way to do it. It's it's not a good way to make friends. It's not a good way to sort of build a reputation for yourself. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, and uh, the reason I brought this up is because uh, there's the age old casual versus hardcore, and the words keep getting redefined. But like in MMOs, uh, uh, people have always assumed that hardcores are. Can you mention do the homework? Um, people that consider themselves casual are people that might view themselves as I can't play on a schedule or I don't want to play on a schedule because they immediately assume that the hardcore raiders are the people that are in there for like eight hours a day, five days a week. 
yeah, the really super hardcore people are in Savage right now. And they've been in Savage mm. since it was released. And they're still going to be in Savage. That does happen. But I've found that the truly hardcore players play the game a lot less than the casual players do. They get on, they do their raid, they hop back off. Um, and I, I've always thought that there's this, like, there's this, there's this, I, there's this uh, fear of a time investment. And yeah, it does take some time, but it's not an extreme time investment. Oh, I've got to go spend hours looking up Dragoon Guides and watching these videos and then practicing my rotation on the dummy before a group will even consider taking me into floor one. Um, and it's not actually like that with people. It, but there is a perception that that's what people expect from you. Mm. Um, and I think that's actually one of the barriers of getting casual players into raids is is that perception that if I don't... Yeah, there's a lot of myths. There's a yeah. lot of myths that are sort of blocking people from getting into it. Um, Sly, I was mean to ask you, because this is a really interesting one to me. I feel like when you're... Um, when you're playing with a group for a long time and you get to know everyone really well, mm -hmm. everything just sort of becomes uh, instinct. You know, everything's just sort of motor memory. Um, my experiences from pugging anyway, I feel like you're, you sort of have to focus a lot more on what everyone around you is doing. Right. So do you think that you learn things from pugging for that period of time that you would not have learned with a, with a static? I think a little bit. Um, it just kind of teaches you, well, I think any content, like not even in rate in, in game content can teach you that because you basically, essentially the DF, the DF is like pug home and you, you were doing a lot of, um, dungeons, you know, just to get to in game content. You were just pugging. You kind of learned the hard way, uh, even though you really don't like dungeons, you really don't care about in terms of in the grand scope of things which is in game but you kind of learned the hard way you know how to deal with other people you know um how to deal with bad situations aka one person fucking up like a lot and you're gonna get mm. you're gonna get that in pugs you're gonna get um a few pugs where it's just not going right and you see like a person or a group of people you know doing the same thing not progressing just more than more than likely regressing so mm. it the key word is trust. It teaches mm. you trust. Like, you really... <laughs> she was saying... No, fuck off. You were saying just last week, I don't trust anyone with the drops. I don't I trust don't. anyone <laughs> to deal with mechanics for me. Fuck them. Come on, dude. I mean, but it so is. You, you I... learn to trust people that you're pugging with. Eventually, you have to. Like, because mm. if you don't... I see what you mean. Yeah. If you don't, you're not... It's the objective's not going to be completed. You're not going to clear mm. anything if you don't mm. trust. I mean, like, there are certain mechanics in certain fight that kind of hinge on that trust. Mm. And if you don't, <laughs> you know, you kind of go off and do your own thing, you go off in your own tangent, it could probably fuck everybody up. So, in the end, it is about trust. And with the static, that those are people you trust. These are people yeah. I trust with my life. I trust my fucking tank. I trust my freaking white mage. I trust my ninja. I, I trust everybody. Like that, and that's a key word in any kind of you know 
in-game content is trust. I guess on the, on the on the flip side of that is that when you're in a static and you're trusting people, you often have uh, sort of certain people that are learning and dealing with certain mechanics and, and are making calls. And you can trust them to do that. You can trust them to yell at you, hey, you need to get over there. And you, you'll do it. You'll get over there. Um, and I find, at least with the people that I've raided with in statics, a lot of the time you get people that just cruise um, because someone else has learned the mechanics and someone else is making the calls. Someone is making the but, calls for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. But when yeah. you're pugging, you need to take responsibility for everything. And, and yeah, I mean, you need, you need to trust that someone can heal you. You need to trust that you can keep DPSing and someone can, you know, deal with a particular mechanic or whatever. But at the same time, you need to be, you need to be aware of your surroundings in a way that you might be able to slide through uh, when you're in a static. So I guess I feel like even, even if you're in a static, going and pugging the fights that you're doing is a really good way to learn the fights and it's a really good way to sort of improve the way that you play. And I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of raiders who, who purely pug because they're sort of a, a afraid of statics or they're confronting some of these myths or whatever, you're probably just as good if not a better player than most of the people who are in statics, I guess is the point that I'm trying to get at there. Um, now, Pook, you, do, you, you, you're building a static at the moment, right? Yes, I, I'm building, uh, yeah. building a static. I uh, had a static before Kevin's word that uh, mm -hmm. we, we ran into the issue of we had a mix of players that had very different goals as for what we were as a static. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it wasn't like it was um, it wasn't like so oh my god I can't raid with this person anymore it's that I really want to keep going in like I feel like we're getting this fight I want to be back in tomorrow and I want to be back mm -hmm. in the day after and mm -hmm. we had people that either couldn't do that or were not in it for more than the two nights a week that we were scheduled for um, which is another thing that comes up with another one of those fears of statics of like, I'm not going to have the time to do it. Statics are crazy. They're raiding all the damn time. Um, but so I'm currently in the process now of building a new static for my free company, um, which is an interesting process because now I have to actually start pulling people from outside of the free company when before we've always had sufficient people there. So, um, that sucks. So, I hate statics. yeah, so, it's so, so it's, so it's actually into true recruiting as opposed to just being like, Hey, let's grab this person I've known for the past two years because they're in my free company. Um, mm. I have some experience. I ran a 25 man rating guild in, uh, in wow for a while. Um, but it is, it's definitely going back into a different, uh, you know, a, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a whole it's a shift of gears. It's just like, mm. okay, now, now you talk about this trust thing and somebody says, Oh, I have this Dragoon friend that wants to come. And I'm like, okay, well, what's their name? And they give me the name and I've never heard of it. And I'm like, Oh, so we're really gonna have to test this guy. Cause I haven't met him before. Like that. Mm. There's an immediate, that, that trust issue is like, is he actually going to be okay for the group? And, uh, so there's, there's the, 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 the flip side of the pressure of, am I going to be okay for this group? It's now the group worrying of, like, is this guy actually going to be able to cut it? Mm. Um, it's, so uh, you've, you've, had, you've had experience both 
plugging well, and 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 doing the static thing, right? Yeah. Now yeah. we're talking we're talking a lot about time commitment, and one of the the anxieties about uh, casual players looking for static is the sort of expectation of, of a time commitment. Do you think that how how do you think the the, the sort of time difference was? To clarify, would would it take more time plugging it or more time doing it as your static? Do you think? I mean, take, taking into consideration the time that it takes to build a static and, and you know, trial or join a static or whatever, because that, that, that is a big time investment. Now, are we I talking actually, in terms of progression or... Um, yeah, if we're talking clear yeah. times here, yeah. then I would say that you probably actually will get to it quicker pugging it. Um, really? I think uh, it's 50-50, but go ahead. I, I, okay, so so some some of the fights do actually like I, I I mentioned the other day that I feel that that turn eight had the buddy system, and turn eight was a fight where, sure. where you weren't only responsible for yourself, you were responsible for being where your buddy was at the time, whether you mm -hmm. it's your job to push the towers or stand in the uh, the ballistic missiles or whatever they're called, um, and that's something that you might not have so easily with a group of random people um like uh you see it in like ravana extreme where uh where people kind of instinctively dodge certain mechanics in one direction and you're running with somebody else and they don't know which direction that you tend to dodge in and they're they're running right next to you um mm. uh so i think that if you invest the time to build a static you benefit from the familiarity with each other's play styles and you do kind of also get the people that coast because somebody's calling out and there's the familiarity um like that person knows the fight and that person is kind of helping everybody else by calling what mechanics they know are problem mechanics um mm. this one's coming make sure you're doing your thing um but i think it takes longer to get to that point which can be successful than it does for a single person to hop into a pug group and get enough practice mm. that way. It's, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. I can't really say why I would think pugging it would be quicker. Um, Luck. What do you think, Sly? I think it's, I say it's 50-50. Uh, there okay. will be some instances where you have, where you're fortunate to, you know, get a party who kind of, gets on one accord or you what i've noticed in some pugs is that you usually have one person to kind of step up and you know kind of yeah. explain everything yeah. because these aren't pe these are in the case of ravana these are people that you know a lot of people do it differently a lot of people do it mm -hmm. way differently and i experienced it like, like with a few members of my static and like a uh, couple of people we kind of didn't know um we just went in and people did it differently and we had to step back and kind of explain everything explain um our method of doing it because getting into like a pug with eight different people that like seven different people that you don't know you're gonna get like seven people doing their own thing probably some of it mm -hmm. might be oh, yeah. a little be on sim and yeah definitely some of it might seem similar some of you might do the same thing some of you might do something different so in in terms of success rate it's pretty much 50 50 um prime example uh i pugged uh like i said all through 12. turn eight like i was having a lot of trouble with turn eight and some groups 
did progress, some groups didn't. Um, mm. Eventually, there was this one group that was just on one accord. It was one person who took the time to kind of explain everything. Who doesn't know what? Raise your hand, say something, use your words, and people. But quite actually... often, you have people. You have someone that's like trying to hide, and they don't know what they're doing, and they won't right. speak up because they're afraid they're going to get their head bitten off. Yeah. Yeah, but um, but it goes mm. back to the beginning of what you were saying. Mm. Like with those people, it's all about honesty. You have to be yeah, honest. Exactly. If you're going in a pug or even in a static, be honest. Speak up yeah, and you've say. You've never been in there before. Just you gotta say it. Yeah, you gotta just speak up and say. You know, I don't know this mechanic. I got into certain percentage. I don't know the rest. And mm. you know, we'll kind of like the party they will really kind of fill in. Yeah. I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt there. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I just, you're good. I, I feel like that's a really important point to, to, to speak up about it. Um, because I was going to say that, like, um, I, I think I know why I think the pugging might be a little quicker for an individual floor turn, whatever you're going for. Mm -hmm. um, it's the fact that when you're in a static and you're comfortable, you can grow complacent. And when you're around strangers in pugs, you're a little bit more vigilant. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um you are definitely watching your own performance a lot more when you're around people that you think are like three seconds away from calling you out on it um and oh, there's somebody saying that no the stream's still going for me sorry so <laughs> <laughs> um so i i i'm not yeah, I, I, I do actually think it's still kind of a 50-50 because I think that forming the static and actually getting the static to a part, point where they're comfortable with each other is a bigger time investment. But I think they also, as somebody else in chat said, come up with their, their own strategies that work for them as opposed to mm -hmm. whatever five strategies are going for in the party mm -hmm. finder that day. Like, All I right. can tell you right now, there's two vastly different strategies for the hand phase in floor three of Alexander Normal. And I've ran into them both in Duty Finder and I had no idea that the other one existed for a while. It was like, mm -hmm. okay, either the two tanks split the damage or now tanks are turning it towards the party and splitting it with the rest of the party. And I'm like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Well, that's um, another benefit of pugging. Even even if you have yeah. a static and you're, you're, you sort of, you know, put a little bit of time aside to go in and see, all right, let's see, let's see how Party Finder deals with it. You can, you can pick up things and you can sort of compare the strategy that you've developed with that of other people. And um, that's, that's always a really useful thing. Uh, anyway, let's say, let's say that I'm, I'm a casual, right? Okay. And let's say that I've got maybe two or three nights a week to play and I've only got an hour or two, but I want to get into Savage, uh, Alexander. I want to give it a try. I want to see what it looks like. Um, how, how do I go about doing that? What's what's the current path of least resistance? Because I mean, it looks really scary. This hurdle, this sort of gear hurdle, all this stuff about hunts, all these dungeons that we have to unlock, um, all these different tiers of gear. Where do you start? Um, how might you go from being a fresh sixty into getting into savage without it being sort of totally overwhelming and just taking you months and months? Well, <sighs> Sly, what you, what, you what advice? Fly, you, you got give? something over there. You, you were going to say something. I mean, we're talking about gearing first off. I mean, like, if you're going to go into any, any in-game high-level content, especially Savage, you want to kind of make sure that you're, you know, geared up enough to even, you know, be able to pull your own weight, basically. 
I mean, it's not even just about DPS. It's it's just you know more a confidence thing because I if I were like new like new to sixty and wanting to get to that plateau um, of savage, I wouldn't even think about savage until I capped until I um, you know got to one eighty at least got my uh, hive spear everything mm-hmm. I wouldn't even consider mm-hmm. it. Um, now there's the possibility that you know you kind of get roped into it and you maybe just want to test the waters a little bit you know um at least be close i mean really the main thing it all comes back to gear it really all comes back to gear because i don't think and now like in terms of now compared to maybe what a month or two off from now we're not like people aren't going to really start testing to see Oh, can I do this at 160 or can I do this at um, mm. 170 until you know they kind of you know get the mechanics worked out? That's that's you know that's pretty much a top FC top rating static kind of thing to kind of test the waters. But you're not going to do that beforehand. So definitely try to at least get geared, um, do the fight to where you're comfortable. You know you feel comfortable. You know doing everything you can. You don't have to, you know, you don't DPS timidly. You don't, you know, mm. you know, wipe the group or anything like that. You know, just do the fight to where you're comfortable and then, you know. Look, on, on the other side of the coin, I knew people uh, around Final Coil that were, you know, that were 120. They had their Ironworks weapon or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, oh, I don't know if I'm geared enough yet. Oh, I'm not. I don't think I'm ready to, to attempt turn 10 yet and i'm saying to them look that's that's bullshit that's that's it's a confidence you're, you're plenty thing. getting up. it's a it's yeah. a confidence thing so i guess i guess my question for you would be um say i'm looking at myself i'm saying sly am am i am i geared enough to do savage right now what what eye level do you think that you would have to be before you personally would would say yeah all right i, I feel confident going in at least uh giving it a shot we got some people in the chat saying uh, 185. I mean, yeah, one, 185, 186, that might be like the average eye level you need for the party to, to sort of realistically clear it. But do you wait until it's kind of overkill before you attempt it? When when do you sort of first go in and, and say, all right, I'm ready, let's let's have a go? People have been doing, doing um, Alexander at 180. I mean, um, every, mm-hmm. not saying everybody and then, Again, we're talking to the casual player who doesn't mm-hmm. have, you know, all their law um, law gear, you know, maxed out and everything. Um, but I would, if if you want to even test the waters, I would, I would definitely be one eighty. Mm. One eighty five might be, you know, the standard, but I wouldn't think about it if you're like under one eighty. I wouldn't even give it thought. What do you think, Pook, about one eighty? I, I, I would say at least 180. And um, mm. I was going to say, we, we keep talking about time investment, but um, what popped into my head is also the the myth that you're too far behind to get in now. Like, obviously, yeah, Savage just released today. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, if you're ready by today, then you're probably not the quote-unquote casual player that only plays for like an hour or two hours a day. Mm-hmm. If you're at the point where you can actually get through the the meat grinder that is fast that mm-hmm. being said um if you were fresh 60 you don't have to worry about getting into savage tomorrow 
trust me, by the time that you get your gear, there will still be other groups that are just starting up, mm -hmm. just trying to get the progression. That's the thing. That's a good thing about the in-game raid tier is that there will always be someone that's looking for someone. And mm. um, and uh, so, but as for getting in there right now, I I would. I, I, I would say, please, Ravana Weapon. Like, honestly, Agreed. Ravana Weapon is... Even, it only takes a couple of hours. Like, I like yeah. I, I, I don't have my Ravana Weapon yet, so I would not be taking myself in there. Um, but I would also look at Ravana and the way the fight works as a good test of whether this person can handle savage mechanics. Particularly for a new player, particularly for someone who wasn't right. that coil. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I think... I think I think that um, from what I've seen in Dungeons and then in Alexander Normal and in the Extreme Primals that SE is doing a really good job right now of throwing little mechanics or similar mechanics in to kind of teach you what you might need or at mm. least give you a good way to gauge your own performance mm -hmm. in that sort of content. Um yeah, um, I would say I would say Ravana weapon, um, and the, the gear should be a the, the a no brainer now because mm -hmm. it pretty much is along the logical path of progression. Now it's kind of like right there. Like um, if you if you take your two hours, if you just say you've got two hours and you invested into just running your roulettes, you've got law raining from the sky. You're swimming in it like Scrooge McDuck, like. Go, go, go! <laughs> well, that's for the it. thing. That's the thing. And you made you made a you made an interesting point. Um, I'd like to chase that thread. That um, if you if you're fresh sixty, you're sitting in Idleshire, you're still in like library gear, and you're looking at all of these hundreds of people running around with their Ravana weapons in like the full law gear, and you're going, "Holy shit! How do I how do I get that? That's that's terrifying. There's no way I'm going to get there." What? What is the most time efficient? Again, for this this uh, casual player who's only got a couple of hours for for a couple of nights a week, what's the most a time efficient way for them to to gear up at the moment? I would probably say do your dailies. First yeah. things first, you know, get that law. Um, do your daily hunts because mm -hmm. doing dailies and doing daily hunts, I do it probably every day. Um, probably about an hour that's a, probably an hour of time because two yeah. like i do a trial i do uh expert and then i do high level and well that's probably 60 minutes right there so let me kind of scale it back i'd probably say about an hour and a half basically if you have the knowledge you know do your daily hunting you know because i cheat <laughs> in terms of hunts i don't know where everything is i need that fucking hunt page so yeah and the homepage is really handy. It, it comes in handy. So I'm going to get that law, those seals, and then, you know, that, that will probably be my day in terms of, you know, getting prepared for in-game content. Now, to kind of go back to what we were saying in terms of the time aspect, in terms of actually raiding, um, if you're going to kind of dedicate maybe an hour or two to raiding, it's possible, but I just don't think it's feasible. Because mm. try like for example, you're going to pretty much focus on one floor of Alex. And you have that much time, 
I mean, if you clear it, good, move on. But a lot of people are going to spend that hour or so in that in that turn or in that floor. Like, mm-hmm. and if you're just regressing, it's an hour wasted. So, I, part of me says, you know, use your time wisely. But the other part says, you know, um, in-game writing does take time. <laughs> it does take time. It does take effort. There will be a lot of headache. And for you to kind of, you know, kind of limit yourself to that much time, if you have that much time, you know, do what you can. But honestly, I think it's a double-edged sword. I will say that it's extremely difficult to work with that kind of time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my old statics raid schedule was two hours a night, two nights a week. And we ended up getting two turn 12 we didn't get 12 down we got Mm -hmm. two turn 12 but you could definitely see where it put pressure on okay we've got 10 down we should be able to do 10 in one shot now because if you don't do 10 in one shot you're eating into any kind of learning time you have on 11 period um and uh so i would say that the the path of the it, it really is about more efficient uh, time use than it is about um, uh, it's the the impression that the people that play more are more grindy Um, when I think probably that if you play less you need to be more grindy because you need to accomplish more in a shorter period of time Mm. That makes sense. I, I also feel like um, it's it's about your attitude. If you've got a lot of hours to play, you you can get in there and you just go through the motions and you're being fairly apathetic. Whereas if you're if you're someone that does want to raid and uh, and raids, you know, not even competitively, but sort of progress, and you've only got say two hours a night. Um, that two hours is going to be, I feel like it's going to necessarily be better spent because you're going, to, you're going to be more focused. You're going to be very conscious of that time restriction. You're probably going to have worked out your strategies and stuff before you even go in there. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a barrier. I mean, yeah, having, having more time is better, but I, I really don't think people should be scared if, um, if they have that kind of schedule where they can only do two hours two nights a week there are groups that do that there are groups that do that very successfully in fact Mm -hmm. i know groups that have raid schedules like that that clear shit way before people who hit it for like you know five or six hours at a time just because they're not using their time effectively but the whole issue is does does it put a pressure does it put like unnecessary pressure on people you know not fuck up and you know make sure that our time is spent Mm. wisely does it put pressure on some you know people to you know, I really need to well, be at the top of my game. Yeah, you you do get you do get all the things like, okay, we've only got two hours. That means we are pulling at the start, at the top of this hour, at the start of raid time is first pull. You better already be there, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like because you don't have time for somebody to go, okay, I'm here, but I'm gonna step away and grab a cup of coffee right now. It's like, no, you kind of mm-hmm. had to have your cup of coffee already, or little things like that. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. yeah, um, we can take a five minute break but we're pulling again in five minutes. See you there. Mm, right. Um, all those little things that like, if you're in a bigger, if you've got like a bigger raid window, 
you kind of get the like, oh, okay, he just got called away for 15 minutes because his kid did something, but eh, we'll we'll just wait it out. He'll be back. Um, you almost aren't permitted to have those sorts of things on a two-hour uh, schedule. So ba- and basically I, what I, you're saying is that you're not permitted to kind of have like a life outside because of rating? Is that what you're saying? If you're expecting to see... And that sounds like okay. This because is real things a, happen, like like you said. Is, this is a this is a dangerous statement to make. If you're expecting to see progression in a two hour window, you need to make the most out of that two hour window. Okay. That two hour window does need to be focused on the game. Yeah, but if you're wanting to spend two hours just dicking around then you probably should oh, be writing ready that, probably not for you yeah probably. i guess right. my my the, the point that i'm trying to get at is that you can consider yourself a casual player based on a time restriction right and if you concede all of those things then you shouldn't be scared away from rating rating is still very real and very possible mm-hmm. and you can do it being being a, a time restricted casual um it's not something that you need to spend nine or ten hours on a week to progress and to clear. If you're focused, then then it's perfectly possible to do it. It's something you shouldn't be scared to be attempting. Um, so I guess, like, can can we concede that that this sort of myth of casuals shouldn't be raiding or should be sort of you know really apprehensive to get into it? I I don't I don't like that. Right. I agree. No, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. And I see something in chat that I want to address. Um, I, 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 that's one of the biggest myths um, that is perpetuated is that casual players or people that play the game less are somehow worse at the game. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think that's the case at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that... Um, I think that it's just as easy to pick up bad routines if you're playing the game for four or five hours a day if you don't take the time to correct yourself on it or learn a different way about it. Um, it doesn't matter how much time you play the game if you're always phlebotomizing after heavy thrust. I mean, what? <laughs> I mean, that's me. Um, <laughs> that's why I don't play Dragoon. Um, it's, uh, and so, so the time, okay, so, so we're coming back to the time spent raiding and, um, I think, okay, so we talked about pugging versus static. Mm-hmm. And I still think that even if you have very little time to work with, that your main goal should be to find a static. Yes. I don't, like, I, I, I see the, 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 the argument that you've probably got about the same amount of chances of success if you find the right pug group. Um, but I also run into a lot of pug groups that wipe once or twice and somebody bails. Um, That's the case now, with most situations. Yeah. Like if you find like with the static, if you wipe twice and somebody bails, well, <laughs> they're probably not going to be in the static. That's reliable. You know, you know yeah. exactly what you're getting mm-hmm. into. You're not logging yeah. on and saying, am I going to be able to raid or not? Am I right. going to be successful or not? Mm-hmm. You, you kind of. You know, yeah, you know what and, to you, expect. and you don't lose time out of that two hours waiting for the pug group to form or, you know, wait on the whims of, all right, I'd really like to go in there and do Bismarck Extreme right now. 
but this person is at their mining node. Mm. I, I ran into that. Sorry. Like, <laughs> just like, um, that's something I ran into trying to pug Bismarck Extreme was that we finally got the group together and like three different times the queue was withdrawn because this person was waiting on a mining node. Mm. And I'm like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> is that that's that's kind of the, that the, sucks. The, yeah. Yeah. That's the gamble you take when you grab random people as opposed to people that you've become familiar with. And um, I, I will say that I don't think that Final Fantasy XIV is the game to treat like a single-player MMO. You shouldn't float through it on your own and only join groups when you feel you need to join a group. I think you should actually find some people to, you know, some friends to form a little group around yourself. And then... okay find what your speed is and get things accomplished together so in the grand scheme of things like we're talking about casuals and we're talking about statics can't we kind of combine the two to kind of make a casual static you could definitely have a casual static you can definitely have a casual static static just means it's the same group that gets together right like like all you have to do is just find some people and decide on what your goals are if if they align like you can um one thing okay uh, now that's that's me getting ahead of myself. I I would like to see some more tools for building raid groups or recruiting for free companies. Are, are in we game. talking in? Oh, okay, in game. In game. Well, what tools? Um, what tools do we currently have for 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 a casual player who doesn't want to spend, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours trying to find a group, trying to build a group? They just don't have those resources. What what do they have available to them where they can sort of quickly and effectively and efficiently find a group? Okay, so there for was, a new player who doesn't know where to go. There, there was a recruitment subreddit. I don't know if it's still going. Um, it's still going. I don't know it's if it's super active, but it is still going. I don't know if it sees uh, enough traffic. Um, there is, there are websites that uh, do it. Like I'm pretty sure that that uh, like if you have a guildwork account, you probably see which which FCs that have Guildwork sites are recruiting or things like that. Um, I don't use that a lot, so I don't know. Um, mm. In game, you've got Party Finder. Um, and how effective I, is that? It's There's almost always a group looking for somebody there, um, mm. but I've not actually had to jump in there looking for statics. So I couldn't tell you from my own experience how well that works. Um, I've had a bit of success with Party Finder. Yeah. I, um, also, the official forums. You put in official forum posts. Here's the, here's the thing. Yeah. You can you can make one looking for party post, mm -hmm. and you can copy and paste that in a hundred different places, and that that only takes you five and some, minutes. And, and, and somebody you'll probably yeah. get something back. Yeah. In a couple um, of days. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure like uh, the official forums they they have sub forums for like each server, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. like you just go over to your server. Like I don't, I don't actually look at Mal, uh, Malboro's. Uh, I don't look at Malboro's uh, <laughs> forum all that often, but I imagine that they probably have posts there. Um, yeah, they, they do. I, I would. Same with Behemoth. I would, I would like to see um, a tool in game for more long-term matchmaking, as it were, like an actual guild recruitment board where where free companies can throw up their we're looking for x 
But we kind of have that, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we have I mean, that already. We have that in a, if you go to right-click somebody and view their profile, the view their company yeah. profile. But imagine a board you could go to where you could search for, I'm looking for free companies that are accepting people under these criteria. I think so, you have that function on the Lodestone. So, but he's Lodestone. talking in-game, though. Yeah, in-game would be cool. In no, game. I agree with that. Yeah, that uh, would definitely like, be cool. Link shells would be a good thing, too. Like, I actually used to have a rating link shell back, mm -hmm. in, back in T5 day. No, forums are great, too. But... I, I, I think there there should be an in-game version of that function. Mm. Social okay. media um, social media is another good outlet. Social media, yeah. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people um, who recruit through Facebook, so. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, like our, our, our server has a has a Facebook page that mm -hmm. I'm a member of. Um, it, well, Okay, so I, I see some like a comment like it should not be in Party Finder. I mean, that's kind of what Party Finder's for too. But I would really, really like to see something in game because something in game is going to be a little bit more immediate, probably more readily updated mm -hmm. or taken down if it's not needed anymore. A forum post might be a little slow to receive a response. Um, be cool to be like, okay, I send in this application and this free company responded to me via an in-game mail. Next time I log in, oh, look, I've got it, you know, that sort of thing. Um, mm. But, I mean, there are tools that exist already for it. Um, yeah. Um, but I would like to see some of those in addition to uh, some in-game stuff. That's just me personally. We, we keep talking about this... Um our sort of imaginary casual player here is in, you know, someone's working full time and they know, all right, I've got two hours here, I've got one hour there, I've got two hours here, whatever. Um, let's talk about kind of an, another kind of casual, maybe someone who is working like shift work or something and they don't, they, they can't commit to a static because they don't know what kind of times they're going to be available or whatever week by week. Um, what, what are their options? Can they, can they still raid? If we're talking maybe one night a week, are, are we talking that kind of schedule where maybe they don't? No, someone someone who's got similar hours, but they're just they're not consistent. They're sort of you know maybe they'll have Thursday night off one week, maybe it'll be mm -hmm. Wednesday night another week. They've got the same kind of hours as the other type of casual, but they're just they're not reliable. And I've I've played with people who have had mm -hmm. uh, sort of schedules like this, and um, it's it's difficult. It's definitely difficult, but. Should they should they be scared of getting into the more difficult rating stuff? I don't think they shouldn't. I think they shouldn't. Mm. Um, going back to what Pook said, link shells probably would be the best avenue for that yeah. person. Like you, if exactly. you have a link shell, you have a bunch of you have that, a bunch yeah. of people who kind of probably play at different times. Some maybe more consistent than others, but you, you'll have at least someone there to help you. And that just basically depends on like how well you recruit for that link shell or how many people you put in that link shell. But I think that's like the link shell is probably the best avenue for that person, seeing as you'll have a ton of people to work with and you make and you may be able to pick from well not really pick, but just, you know, ask, is anybody available? So Right, mm -hmm. yeah, I would I would I would actually agree with Sly there and say that a link shell would probably be the best bet in that case. Um, if the link shell was made specifically for making raid groups, like if that was, and I've seen a couple of those, I was actually, like I said, I was part of one back in like T5 days, mm -hmm. um, where like, I would just like, I wasn't part of like any, any 
solidified group, but I would get on about like nine o'clock every morning and somebody would be putting together a T5 party. Um, and, and keeping those active would be tough, but I think that would probably get you further than standing in current in-game city of choice, which is Idleshire right Idleshire, now, yeah. and shouting mm. and Party Finder saying, you know, Party Finder saying inexperienced black mage looking for static probably wouldn't get a lot of hits. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but here's one thing I wanted to kind of touch on. We're talking to a casual player and we're speaking to them. We're speaking like they're actually going to find seven people. In most cases, you're probably not going to find seven people. Um, you'll probably find maybe five and you'll have to just DF the rest or PF the rest. Um, how do we feel about that? How do we feel about, you know, you know, having a quote unquote casual kind of static or casual link shell and then, you know, DFing the rest? How do we feel about that? I, I think it's, I, I think it's a viable approach. I think it's a probably, it's probably going to be a little bit easier on the person with, uh, with inconsistent times than than jumping on and being like well i've got tonight free is anyone in party finder looking for me mm. mm -hmm. i think i think if you've got um if you've got one of everything if you've got a dps and and if you have to plug a dps and that dps can pull them aside and say hey mate you want to deal with this and this and this that way and the same thing for healers same thing for tanks if the people that are the sort of regular static members are, are active and they can sort of take an interest in the people that are pugging and just take a couple of minutes sort of telling them, you know, how the play's going. Yeah, that's 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 perfectly realistic as well. You you don't a static doesn't need to be eight people necessarily to be able to get in and, and, and raid consistently. Um, so that's that's an interesting point as well. Um, there was one that that I wanted to go back on, and this 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 is a little bit touchy, but I've I've known a few people whose major barrier to raiding is almost a kind of anxiety. It's um you know the pressure that's being put on me. It's the the expectations that other people have on me. It's the fact that I'm being scrutinized. It's the fact that someone is constantly like passing my DPS and and sort of judging me. Um, there's the fact that I have to sort of you know, communicate on um, on Teamspeak or mumble with people and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I'm wondering if if any of you guys have known anyone or have personally uh, had those kind of insecurities or anxieties about you know raiding with a group, about having having to rely on other people or having other people rely on you. Sly, I I I get the feeling that you uh, when you're with a new group or whatever, it takes you quite a while to sort of build that trust with people mm -hmm. um i guess for some for someone who's in that position for someone who's having some kind of anxieties that are, that are blocking them from from doing a static and doing this kind of content what advice would you give them what sort of coping mechanisms could there be for them in terms of confidence hmm. um there's really no coping mechanism i can give them for that I mean, it's really and in this as cliched as it sounds it's all it's pretty much all in your head yeah you're gonna you're gonna get a lot of people who who kind of you know judge what you do and 
things like that but it's it does it does in a way go back to confidence but at the same time you know you kind of have to look at it from both sides you're going to have you're going to have the quote-unquote elitists who you know judge your every move think they're better than you and think you know you know um you're not pulling your weight mm. and then you're going to have you know people the same people who kind of you know parse and do things like that that you know know can see what you're doing but will actually take the time out to you know not be a dick and say get good but you know actually take the time and say here here's some resources that maybe will help you you know kind of mm-hmm. up your numbers or whatever um mm. and if you need any help you know please ask mm. there are both sides yeah, there's of the always coins. there's always there one of both them sides there's of always the one of each in the group you're right mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's like that's what kind of makes this community great is you have those people who will take the time out random strangers will actually take the time out and help you and you know you know go to them for any questions and add you as a friend you know that's that's kind of the sense of what an MMO is. It's a community coming together, a community, you know, mm. kind, kind of helping, you know, uplift someone, you know, in confidence, mm. whether it's in confidence or it's skill or whatever. But, yeah, mm. I think it, they're both sides of the coin. So it's really all in the head in terms of confidence, but it does help to have, you know, good people in the community to help you. Mm. It's, what do you think, Pook? Any, any strategies? Uh, well, uh, it's pretty damn scary to jump into a group of seven people if you do happen to run into that group of like, OK, they've actually been doing this together for a while and they have their ways about it. And here they are. They're pulling me into their team speak and we're ready to do this. And they they um, I had some I had an experience uh, recently with uh, Ravana Extreme where I was filling in for a statics missing bard and you know it's like immediately like come to our team speak you get in there and they're all all immediately friendly and wanting to be chatty and stuff and i'm just like you know it's how much, intimidating yeah how much how much talk is okay for this group because they all have their own different styles with that too like am i going to be you know the really chatty person and they're going to be like hey kind of clear things up so we can make calls or am i going to be the really silent person they're going to be like uh what the hell are you doing over there um, and then you get in there and you're worried that, like, if I make the mistakes, these all seven people are going to see these mistakes. Like, because mm. they're going to know they're going to know how the fight goes when they do it normally. And they're going to see the odd person out not following the dance exactly the way they do it. Mm. Um And so it is it is very intimidating on that side to just, you know, dive into a random group. Um, but I don't think I've ever had an experience like that where I've come out of it feeling like I screwed up or they wanted me gone with Mm. any group. Like it's always, it's funny because you're, you're afraid, you're afraid that that they're immediately going to think those things. And then you, you almost never run into a group that's like, oh yeah, get the hell out of here. Um, Mm. the, the most I've seen in, um, the most I've seen from the other side of it is just like, sorry, this isn't working out. And that's it. Like, it, it just kind of like, okay. Um, but even that is pretty, you know, that's bitter. That's it's, pretty it's, hard. It, to, it's you know, pretty harsh to take. It's harsh to take. It really is. Um, but it's never 
the level of you get this impression from certain places in the community that they're going to say a lot worse than sorry this isn't working out right now yeah and they're probably like, not like you you a lot of people do give the impression that if you are not playing in the top one you know 90, you're not in the 99th percentile of your class joining our random group well, we've got these torches and pitchforks, and they've got your name on them. <laughs> um, you, you, and, and it's never that. Um, I've run into that actually more in four-man dungeons than I've ever ran into it in a raid. Really? Ever. I'll agree with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, I agree with that. In, in, in Duty Finder four-man match dungeons, I have seen some, I've seen some shit. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, but I have almost never seen it in 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 a raid environment even Mm. in party finder match groups they tend to weed those people out pretty quickly your server starts to become aware of people that act like assholes in those groups right Mm. and then you just don't see them in those groups anymore unless they're running them themselves now i think i think i can talk a little bit to to coping mechanisms um Yes, I'm speaking to the chat here, and I'll be really interested to, to, to kind of hear your input, chat, and, and if anyone else kind of experiences this same thing. But um, I find that when I'm, when I'm joining a new group, I always have this, this experience that if I'm doing something right, it's, uh, it's sort of a fluke. You know what I mean? And, and that I'm sort, of, um, uh, I'm sort of convincing people that I'm better than I am, and at some point they're going to they're gonna realize that I'm actually the dead weight and I'm dragging everyone else down, and um, uh, and that every time I'm sort of doing the right thing, it's just sort of perpetuating this, this kind of myth that I've created about myself and I'm actually a shit player or whatever. Um, this, this is a thing, it's actually really common in, in workplaces. Uh, the term for it is um, basically imposter syndrome. Um, and I can guarantee you that people in the chat are um, are empathizing with me because studies have been done to show that something like 70% of people uh, experience this in, in, in workplaces but also in raiding situations. Um, so if you're in there and you're thinking, oh, you know, all of these seven people are better than me and they think I'm on their level but I'm really not on their level and they're going to work it out sooner or later that I'm shit. Um, at least half of the group feel exactly the same way as you do. And, and I feel like, um, like you were saying, Sly, it's, it's all in your head. All the confidence issues, they're all in your head. You can sort of partition them, you can suppress them, you can put them aside. And um, if you push through them and you work with a group enough times, you sort of relax into it and you get into mm-hmm. it. And it really enriches your experience of the game. Yeah, and it goes back to uh, what you're saying, like in comparison to the workplace, it's it's kind of, I, I call it being a yes man or yes woman. Can you do this? Yes. Uh, are you a decent DPS? Yes. Uh, can you work out mechanics? Yes. And you kind of, you kind of like, you kind of get intimidated by like this barrage of, you know, you know, like, I guess, um, pressure that can come to going into a rave with like seven people who know each other and, you know, you're filling in and, you you kind of feel it so automatically in your head you like you just go to you know i can do this for you i can do that i can do this like it first off you know there's a difference between being confident and like um 
being overconfident, yet being confident and knowing what exactly you can do. So it goes and it goes back to honesty, like honesty with mm-hmm. yourself before, you know, being honest with the group, like be honest with yourself and your limitations and what you can do. Uh, and, and then you like your honesty will show to whatever group you were in. Hmm. I'm seeing a lot of I'm seeing a lot of communication is key. Communication is key. Honesty is key. Um, and that's what it boils down to, really. It's, that's what I feel it boils down to is just honesty, like honesty um, about yourself and your capabilities. Yeah, and uh, it's 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 uh, the, we talk about the the, the imposter stuff. Mm-hmm. Imposter um, syndrome. The imposter syndrome. And um, I, I, I'm immediately reminded of, like, there is probably going to be a thread at some point, if there isn't one already, of, uh, oh, man, Savage Floors 1 and 2 down, easy game. And there will be people in this thread very much agreeing with that sentiment. Yet I don't think anybody in that thread will have been anybody that has cleared actually cleared one or two um and yeah they just a lot of the time when you see this this sort of elitism is that it's it's a bluff it's people wanting to boost their own confidence um and people kind of trying to deal with the insecurity about their own playing most really good hardcore players they're not hanging around the subreddit they just get on mm-hmm. they do it they clear it they're done they don't need to talk about it right um and i think you're definitely right about that pook and i think i think when you're coming in as a player that hasn't been anywhere near that stuff and you see the majority of conversation about the game is about how these really hard raid encounters aren't challenging enough and that they only weed out the stupid people but when you go into them and you find them to be difficult you're suddenly thinking I'm one of the stupid people at least as far as the community is concerned yeah. they see me as the stupid person and yeah. when, because because there is just this this facade that everybody puts on that they're so good at this game and so it's it sets this weird this weird really high standard this really high bar that it doesn't I'm, actually exist it doesn't actually exist and in a lot of cases, you don't ever have to meet to be successful in the game. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, and so I think that's 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 another barrier where the you know the casual versus hardcore elitism comes from, and mm. where people continue to think that hardcore equals elite mm. um, is is definitely in, in cases like that, um, where. If people would just be a little bit more honest about where where they are in the game, then maybe it would seem a little bit more welcoming to, to new players. Well, we took or an interesting turn here, didn't we, Sly? Yeah, we did. <laughs> a very sort of mellow and thoughtful state of the realm here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like on the heels of well, not really on the heels on you know, um of Alexander Savage coming out. I, I, it, it's necessary because this conversation mm. is going to come up a lot in in the next few days yeah, or I think a week. So. so yeah, this uh, 
Yeah, I felt like this conversation, um, it was a good conversation for uh, what's happening today and what's going to happen in the um, next few days or weeks. Because you're going to see a lot of a lot of people, casual or not, you know, um, who don't have statics, um, make their way through Alexander Normal, want to do Alexander uh, Savage, and these are the kind of hurdles they're going to experience the elitism their own confidence you know um random groups you know meshing together with said random groups so i definitely mm. feel like it's it's a it's a um pertinent issue right now it mm. really is and the the last thought i wanted to get um you guys' take on is um The people who, the people who, um, trying to make that transition, because I made that transition. Like I'm not hardcore. I'm not elitist, but I kind of made that transition into a static. Like what? I've seen your raid face. Yes. I've yeah, because <laughs> because I've gone from you know <laughs> pugging. I've gone from pugging like one through twelve to raid face y'all see my raid face super serious raid face yes. <laughs> um what's your advice for anyone who wants to make that transition who wants to go from who wants to take it from casual to you know i i want to go all in i want to go all in i want to be a serious raider what's your advice for them hmm. do your homework <laughs> um, well that is an important thing there's so yeah. many there's so many guides and and stuff out there have a look at that kind of stuff um look at look at the way you're playing your job make sure that your rotation is strong make sure that uh your your movement's good make sure that your rate awareness is good and you've got peripheral vision you're not tunneling but um just dive in just just get in there just give it a go just and do it find, no please no. find a raid face <laughs> Find a raid find, face. Find, find a raid you face. Need a, you, you need go. a good raid face. Well, I mean, I mean, it sounds it sounds silly, but I mean, like the power stance is like a real thing in gaming. If you're raiding like this and you're just like, you're not going to be doing very well. That so find a, a raid like, face. That looks a lot like my World of Warcraft healing stance. <laughs> that's that's your that's your raid face. No, that's World of Warcraft healing. <laughs> that's some lazy healing. <laughs> and and Final Fantasy fourteen healing. Fantasy 14 healing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you say find a raid face. Like, actually a legit raid face? Find a raid face. You know. <laughs> Pook? I think actually, I think actually that's a good way to put it. Find your raid face because um, if there's anything that tells me that you're focused on what you're playing slide, that you are intent on progressing, that you are going to kill a motherfucking bug for your for your spear. Um, it's that raid face. It is you put um, yourself in that frame, yeah. You've actually you've actually you probably don't have any confidence issues in those moments. You've you found yourself confident in what you're doing mm -hmm. um, as long as you're because uh, you found yourself focused and um, yeah, it's 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 jump in. Um, you will. These fights look so intimidating from the outside. Yeah. They really do. 
I looked at Turn 13 when people were first downing it. I watched Ms. Tech's Guide when it came out, and I was like, I am never going to get this fight down. And then Turn 13, turn it's a fucking cakewalk. Compared to 12? Yeah. Oh my god, 13 is easy. And I, 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 I talked myself out of it. Um, just do it. <laughs> I hate yeah. Thank you, Shia LaBeouf. Thank you. Just, just, um, just, just Shia it. Just, uh, make, make, <laughs> make an effort to talk to people. Find somebody that, that, that has your same style, whether it's time or play style or whatever it is. Um, or somebody that tells funny jokes or somebody that never says a damn word in mumble because it would annoy you if they talked and just go. Uh, <laughs> Show us your raid face. I, I don't. I don't have a raid face. Oh, uh, come on, Pook. You have to have a raid face. No, my raid face is a disappointed at look look at Pundos because he says I'm talking from a DPS point of view and I should shut it. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I, 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 okay, my raid face. Really. <laughs> really? Are you going to make a? Are you going to like attach a rubber band to that poke too? Holes in the eyes and just that's going to be your rope. Just, just, just. Your that's your raid face right yeah. there. Yep. We're <laughs> expecting to see that on stream. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I play bard. I don't really need much help. <laughs> hey oh. Hey oh. <laughs> uh, and my raid face is just a mess. I'm loving. I'm loving the mess. raid faces in chat. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't. So F is like just. Just show it. Just give us your raid face really quick. <laughs> Crayon's gonna... Yes! That's a gift. That's gifable. Is, is that the raid face or is that the... I thought Crayon was still away. Is that, the, is that the raid face or is that the the, uh, the guy bull? Oh, that's my raid face. Bird, uh, <laughs> face. So, <laughs> so, guys, you heard it from... You heard it from Ethis and Pook. If you want to make that transition... From being casual to kind of being "quote unquote" hardcore, find your raid face. And with that, um, closing thoughts on casuals or I love you. <laughs> we love casuals. We, 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 we love you, casuals. You, you, we you do. You make up the majority of the game. Um, Actually, look, that's that's a really good point, Pook. Like, like, hmm. um. All of these discussions that we have, obviously, they're coming from our own perspectives, and we're not always like super in touch with a casual perspective. But we we empathize with you guys. We know what you're going through. We've we've all been there. And as Pook says, we love you. We do. Mm. You make up the community. You make the community what it is because not everybody is at that point. Not everybody has the time. Uh, not everybody can, you know, put that time and effort into it. So, we do appreciate you. Um, that Ethis, where can everyone find you? Uh, oh, you guys know where you can find me. Um, Ethis FFXIV on Twitter. I think that's right now. Is it here? Is it here? Yeah, yeah. You got it. You got it. Um, it's it's like it's mirror. Yeah. <laughs> um, or um, youtube.com slash Ethis Asher for all kinds of, you know, lore and analysis type stuff. Uh, drop in sometime and check it out. Pook, where can everyone find you? 
You can find me on the interwebs. No, um, you can find <laughs> me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash pukajutsu, uh, on Twitter at pukajutsu, on Instagram at pukajutsu, on PlayStation Network at pukajutsu. Yay! So if you go <laughs> Woo! for pukajutsu, you will find me, and you can easily <laughs> find me every day because I'm a daily streamer, and I mean, I don't actually take a day off. Uh, tomorrow is six months. It's 180 later. days. 180, 180 days. That's crazy. Tomorrow. Oh so, That's amazing, dude. So if you're looking, if you're looking for me, um, Pook, and you got me. And <laughs> you heard that, you heard that wild applause from me because Pook is now a member of uh, the console race. He finally has his PS4. I am a filthy console peasant. Yes, I am. <sighs> you uh, can find me. Yeah, where where can we find you, Sly? <laughs> you can find me at uh, twitch.tv slash Sly, a.k.a. Gray Fox. You can find me on on Twitter at Sly the Fox. You can find me on Instagram at Sly, a.k.a. Gray Fox 07. You can find me on Behemoth as Fox Sly at Plot 14 Board 5 of the Lavender Beds, home of the mighty Foxhound FC. Guys, it has, barring Ramu, it has been an awesome show. Yeah, I... Had a great time. A great time, great discussion. Uh, would love to do it again. Would love to have you all again. Uh, I, feel, I have, get the feeling that we're going to be seeing a lot more of y'all too. <laughs> I mean, I get that feeling. I, I get that feeling in my heart. Yeah, that all. feeling. Uh, all right. And with that, thank you, everybody, for watching, and we will see you next week, same bat time, same bat channel. Take care. Bye. Farewell!